0: In a world full of straight people. Aren't you glad there's WoW Presents
1: Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? No, so on. And so much
0: more. Subscribe to WoW Presents Plus, still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game. RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now.
1: Hi, <laughs> how you doing? a Tony winner
0: and his dog are in the house, Matt.
1: <laughs> Come on! up. I've seen the Tony winner. I have yet to see his. Oh my is God, God! There's his dog. Oh, what is his name? And a- how cool. many Tonys does he
2: have? He has five Tonys in my mind, in my heart. He has more than Audra. He has seven. Um wow. But uh, not yeah, enough. Know. He's adorable. But... Not enough. Not enough. He's the biggest love in the world. His name is Theo. Uh oh. huh. But... what? Yeah. A sweetheart. I know. It's ridiculous. Welcome I start talking on here and he always like jumps right up. So um, That's he thinks it's all about him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Matt Doyle, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for, Thank being, you here. for being here. I, I, I
2: mean, oh Dave and
1: I both saw you in, in company, which folks, if mm-hmm. you don't know this, he won a Tony for that show. He's been on Broadway mm-hmm. in uh, oh. Spring Awakening and War Horse and the Book of Mormon. You've seen him on Gossip Girl and in, in Private Romeo <laughs> and, on wow. and
2: on and Where T-ca. do we find you right now? <laughs> uh, right now you find me at home waiting for uh, Sinatra, the musical, to start up again next year in London. So That's what I'm doing right now. Um, other than that, I'm doing a lot of concerts. Uh, I'm in Palm Springs next week, which I'm excited about. I'm doing a lot of Ooh. cabaret shows all over and And yeah, I'm living my best life after like three years of kind of eight shows a week. I'm really happy to sit back and and relax for for a moment. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm sure something will come up in between then because I'm probably not rehearsing until next summer. But. Uh, for right now through the holidays, I am I'm a happy guy, and with my dogs again. All right, buddy. You're, he's yeah. getting he's getting <laughs> that kisses as we speak. So <laughs> yeah. Sinatra that, is Theo.
0: Theo likes to love bomb. I would he, yes,
1: that's, that's red flag behavior. <laughs> that's yeah, right, exactly. He might be toxic, but he's so cute he can get away. He with He might it. be toxic. I know. So Sinatra. Um, I mean, the clips I've seen of you singing are pretty astounding i mean obviously oh, thank you, you singing is astounding in general but you as sinatra is really crazy and so i assumed thank it was so coming, much, my God. It's coming to new york next but it's going back to yes, london yeah. first or so
2: what is we're doing yeah so we were actually in birmingham england which is like of course we start sinatra in birmingham england um but that's where we did our very very first kind of out of town production which was for Universal and for Warner Music, I think it was just the way for them to kind of do this fully produced workshop of it, essentially, since it had never had a life before. And uh, it went fantastic. People loved it. And we got to kind of test everything out and see that we were in the right direction. And we were more so in the right direction than I think we hoped. And uh, And now the West End transfer is, is just what's next and, and kind of has always been a part of the plan. When I was first cast in the role, probably about nine months ago, they said, Birmingham, West End, and and then Broadway. So I'm hoping for Broadway twenty twenty five. Uh we'll see. You know, sometimes these things get delayed and then delayed and then delayed. But um I have a feeling with with such a huge team behind this and being the Sinatra property, we're we're on the right track for for that. Mm-hmm. Can't wait.
1: Yeah. Seriously. We will be there. What is the audition process like for you know, playing Sinatra in Sinatra, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's it helped along it was, by having just one a Tony. Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm sure that was a huge part of it. In terms of getting me in the door, you know, they had a lot of people to see. And I don't know if I was necessarily the first person that was coming to their mind in terms of playing this part. Um, especially coming off of uh, playing Jamie, and, and I, I sit very comfortably in this kind of nervous, uh, sheepish energy on stage. And uh, it does not necessarily translate to, oh, he's perfect for Sinatra. So I reached out actually to Kathleen Marshall, the director, and just said, I, I would love to be seen for this. And she was, you know, we'd worked together before on, on past projects. And uh, she, she saw me uh, with uh, Joe DiPietro, who wrote the book. And uh, I knew that it had gone well, but I got a call back immediately and and asked to come in for Tina Sinatra, his youngest daughter, who's still alive oh, wow. and, and still thriving and amazing. And uh, she uh, she was there. And so I, I had to go back and audition for her. And, you know, I walked in. This is actually the craziest audition I've ever had. I walked in and, and it went really well. Um, I sang That's Life and I've Got You Under My Skin. And, you know, I thought to myself, no matter what I do in there, it doesn't matter because Ultimately, this is her dad. She knows him better than anyone else. She's going to understand what she needs from this role. And nothing I can do can like try other than like just doing a good job and trusting what I do um, can possibly, you know, change what she wants for this part. And um, I left the room and within like 20 minutes, I had a call from Kathleen Marshall and she said, we need you to come right now and have dinner with Tina Sinatra at Orso in Midtown. And so I went and I sat down with her for about an hour and then I was brought over to a much larger table and I was supposed to like run to Little Shop of Horrors, which I was doing at the time playing Seymour um, off Broadway. And uh, I'm sitting there and like checking my watch and I'm like, yeah, I'm half hour soon. And and Tina brings me over to the table and, and just looks at everyone at the table. And, and it's like all of Warner music and universal music. And she was like, Matt, welcome to the family. And wow. like, toasted me and goes, You're like a son I never had. I was like, What is happening right now? God. I just met you. This is the most surreal experience of my life. And uh, I walked back into Little Shop of Horrors and we all shared a dressing room. And I walked in and I was like, Guys, I think I'm Frank Sinatra. And everyone was like, All right, <laughs> sit down. But uh, no, it was, it, was, it was amazing. And then, and yeah, that was like February of last year. And that does not happen. It was totally inappropriate. <laughs> and uh, I was thrilled. I mean, I, it's what you dream about when you like, first move to New York. Like, I'm going to be told in the room or something absurd yeah. like that. But Tina, Tina did not care. And so she told me right there, which was amazing.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, hear the original cast recording. Yeah. oh
2: my God, I'm so excited. This will be the first uh, recording ever that Warner and Universal does together, So I'm really excited wow. about that in terms of uh, cast recordings, so um, because they have to share the rights to everything. so <laughs> uh, Incredible.: Broadway is back.: Broadway's back, baby. Actually, I you know, know, I have to say... Uh, you know, in terms of jukebox musicals and in terms of bio musicals, this one really does feel so close to being just a Broadway show. Uh, it feels much more like a review that you would see something like, you know, crazy for you or anything with classic Gershwin tunes or or whatnot, because all of these songs originated in classic musicals. It's Cole Porter. It's it's Gershwin. It's uh, Sammy Kahn and just like brilliant, brilliant writers from the great American songbook. And that lends itself so well to a musical and we get much less of a Wikipedia page in this and much more of a fleshed out story, which is, I love so much. Love it. Cannot wait. wait to see yeah. it. What else have you seen on stage recently that you loved? Oh my gosh. On stage recently that I loved. Um, I saw the crucible in London when I was there and I absolutely adored it. It was a fantastic production. Um I saw a lot of theater when I was over there. What else did I They have a great production of Crazy for You that Susan Stroman just directed that I hope is coming over. So that's like that's where I was late, lately. I have not gone outside since I got back like 4 <laughs> weeks ago. So I haven't seen a lot of New York theater, but my god, talk about a really really busy season coming up. And um Dave, sure. I know your hero and icon There's a musical of of Mr. Huey Lewis's work coming. (laughs) There is. Is it actually coming to Broadway? It's coming to Broadway, and you know that I did the the original production of it. I'm not doing this one because I can't, unfortunately. But I think the only time you and I ever communicated before was when I had a Twitter account, and you were like, "What is this Huey Lewis musical?" And somebody like you know tweeted at me and you at the same time, and and I was like, "Oh wow." It's Dave Holmes. <laughs>
0: oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, he's so dear to me. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's a good time, man. I like. I my favorite thing about it is that people are so skeptical of it, and everybody thinks like, "Oh God, this is gonna be like the worst jukebox musical ever." But it is uh-huh. fantastic because of the way they approach it, which is like a John Hughes movie with Huey Lewis songs, and uh, it's just like mm-hmm. a joy fest for two hours and. I'm excited for everyone to kind of be shocked at how good it is. And Huey is the best. Just the best. He's the best. Yeah. He's the best. The kindest man in the world.
0: Totally so kind and really funny and obviously the best stories of any human being ever.
2: Outrageous. And they go on and on and you're like, what else happened to you? Where are you from? Who was your mother? Like, I mean, it's just insane. And he just talks so casually about it. And yeah, I mean, I love him so much.
0: Because he like, he didn't get famous until he was like late 30s late so 30s there was yeah. a
2: whole other life that took place before he was and it all involved very strange things happening in san francisco and i'm mm-hmm. obsessed with hearing about all of that <laughs> i love it i love it i love it um
0: so all right so you've been stuck at home we're at the end of the year yeah what have you been what what are your like tv slash movie highlights
2: oh 2023 I'm just so happy that I'm home because I was holding off on watching um, the Fall of the House of Usher, the Mike Flanagan Mm. show, Mm. and I am a huge horror horror nerd. And I think everything that Mike is doing is like I'm his biggest fan. And like I literally have like sent a message on Instagram, hoping he checks like message requests one day, you know, just to be like, I think you're amazing, man. I just really love everything you do, but I am a massive fan of his, and I think the show is just brilliant it's got some of my favorite um this sounds so dark but like horror kills i've ever seen in my life and um but just with such smart writing and you know characters are so so rooted and fleshed out and so i'm a huge fan of uh mike flanagan and we have also been watching this uh oh gosh it was on like the netflix top 10 we just started watching it the other day it was like a swedish murder mystery. Yeah. So we we often do that. Put put the subtitles on. Uh this is my partner and I that I'm talking about. But um yeah, yeah, big uh big horror buff. I'm excited for for finishing this series right now. What about you guys? What's uh what's on your list? (laughs) Matt? I mean what is on my list? We're
1: we're almost finished with our first full watch of the Sopranos. And so it's like all I can think about. Wow. And it's of course amazing, and I'm talking about it like it's a new idea to <laughs> people. What else? I, we're my so Michael, my husband, watches a lot of stuff that I like dip in and out on that I, I can't commit yeah. to, but then I can't look away when I'm sort of trying to look over Absolutely. his shoulder judging him. He's watching the Squid Games challenge reality show yeah. I, didn't, I couldn't even watch the original squid games because it was too upsetting
2: I'm a horror I, nerd
1: as well but the squid, Ga- squid games was just too dark this is
2: me that's me I have the biggest problem so I love horror but when it involves like I don't know the squid games was too disturbing for me I was like I can't just watch these people die like this i mean they all are good people they all all, you know like it was just too painful where horror usually like is always winking at itself or at least uh for the most part is and squid game was just too disturbing i couldn't get on board and i find this reality show like really twisted because it is essentially everything that that show was making fun of or or at least making a commentary on and you now have a bunch of people in the room like F- falling to the ground pretending to be dead and yeah. fighting for 4.6 million dollars I'm like this is weird something about this isn't sitting right and they're just like torturing these people emotionally and mentally and I, I can't watch it it's, it's like and my-, my partner's obsessed with it he's like oh get over it this is brilliant this is genius this is the best game show I've ever watched I'm like no man this is dark <laughs> this it's is it's a false of society gnarly. and yet well, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I did watch the entire episode with him last night yeah yeah. 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 Oh no, you go- get hooked for sure. I for like sure. I was like scoffing at it, and then they started playing Battleship, and I was like, Oh, I love Battleship, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, one of my uh one of my young colleagues at Esquire, a woman named Serena, he uh just uh months ago, uh the producers put a bunch of journalists through like a miniature few days version of Squid Game Challenge yeah. or whatever it's called. And she came back and and was not able to talk to talk about it because of the NDA that she had signed. But it was like it was clear that it was an intense and draining experience. Like, yeah. in every way. So her piece about it actually just dropped today. And I haven't read it yet. But like oh, wow. it's I yeah, it it seems like they're not fucking around. I last night, my partner and I just uh, finished the Robbie Williams
1: oh, yeah. uh, four part oh, yeah. documentary
0: yeah. series. Which I recommend. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't know how I feel about it, Mm -hmm. but I still recommend it. So it's very entertaining, but you come away like not quite sure what you just saw. Right. I I
1: did anyway. Could you spoil one thing for us, Dave, which is just what do we learn about Robbie and his UFO
2: experiences? Because I
0: know he
1: has them. No no UFOs. Well, we don't even talk about it. touched
2: on the UFOs. No. Wow.
1: Yeah, no. Oh, so you know this as a thing, Matt. You know what I'm talking about. I have. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I've absolutely... I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what... It, is. I just know... That I just have... I just happen to know that he is a big believer and I think maybe has had a... I think he thinks he experience? was abducted,
2: right? Am I wrong? I think so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was sure that yeah, was no, going to be a big... That doesn't come up. That doesn't come up. It doesn't come uh, up.
2: crazy. But... He is, uh, through
0: searching. the whole thing, like the conceit is that he, ha, like, they've found all of this stuff from his whole career where it's like, you know, where he's been filmed and, you know, where he's talking to, you know, a cam or whatever in 1994 and all that, like from his whole entire career. Wow. And so he's watching it like for the first time, which, you know, he's not. And, but <laughs> he's, and it's like each episode is supposed to be a new day, but it's, Like he looks exactly the same and is dressed exactly the same. And he's watching all of it in his bed in like a tank top and briefs. Amazing. And, and it's, it like, it's just, it's like, what, why, why are you, not that I'm complaining, but like, why are you. It's just odd. in (laughs) Briefs. It's just, yeah, it's, it, it, all of it is just, it comes up, it's like a little, I don't want to spoil too much. Hmm. It's definitely entertaining. You will not be bored. And,
2: and now, of course, he's all I can listen to. But uh, yeah, so Robbie Williams. So this is what I have pulled up from The Sun, you know, reliable source. Sure. Mm -hmm. Robbie Williams was abducted by aliens that were 10 feet tall and wearing a uniform, claims man who met him on spaceship in 1999. So... It happened then. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, this story was reported by a man who met? By, by a man who met Robbie Williams on the spaceship. Which oh, they must were abducted be... together. Yes, they were abducted together. And uh, his name is uh, Russ Kellett. He's 57. Hmm. Well.
1: Okay. Well. Okay, well, shame on them for not getting into I mean, maybe
2: they're going to do that's a whole season two documentary. Yes. Yeah, season yeah. two is just all the UFOs.
0: All the UFO stuff. Yeah, it's like it's, you know, they, it's a, a break from the uh, from the tone of season one. Yeah. Um, so we are also we are talking on the day that George Santos was expelled from Congress. Man. How are we feeling?
2: How are we feeling? I mean, I, you know, as as I've seen so many gays post, we don't claim him. <laughs> we do yeah. not claim him. It's just wild. I think he did his like second post on his husband yesterday that we've ever even seen. You know, I'm yes. like, I don't know what you're trying to what the what this angle is all of a sudden but all right totally yeah it's yeah so panda a bunch of
0: pictures of him and the husband and like he's my rock and whatever yeah. and it's like get it you need a different rock yeah this is <laughs> like it, it he's whatever he's advising you it ain't is yes. wrong. like always wrong always wrong always a lie yeah. actually yeah Always a lie. Yeah. Uh, if he if he was like, uh, what you'd want to do right now is like run the halls of Congress with a with someone's baby. Oh my God. That's not a good idea. It's not. None of it's a good idea. It's,
2: I just it's can't just believe so so they let him stay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I just they let him like, stay so long. <laughs> and he, that
1: he's he's the one person who's too monstrous for the Republican Party,
2: only yeah. because he's gay. Ever I think only, literally yeah, everything yeah, else he has
1: done is would be completely acceptable
2: of course look at jim jordan like look at everyone else that's still there and 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 what they've gotten away with but uh as soon as that drag story came out i was like oh he's done now he's done like he's really done and that's when everything like turned that's when they were like oh no he can't be here (laughs) i know and
1: i know that we don't claim him but he is to me so hilarious that i'm i'm i have a soft spot for him in it's definitely play.
2: entertainment that's for sure i mean it's just so surreal that he ended up there in the first place and it just got worse and worse that like, all the stories that came out i saw so many headlines about like what he had claimed and what he'd said and i just like i, I thought they were onion articles half the time and, yeah. and no they were yeah. they were real yeah. the lacrosse championship wasn't that one of them or yeah oh my god yeah. oh god it was just outrageous Amazing.
0: it's i so like my sort of af- like weird affinity for him comes from the fact that like any any gay friend group that I like dated into or like, you know, sort of passed through or around or whatever in my life, there's always a George Santos on the periphery. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? There's always the one guy who's like. I don't think he has a job, but right. like he's wearing Prada loafers or whatever. Like, there's yes. always somebody whose story doesn't quite add up. Yes, and he's like not in the center of the friend group, but he like shows up at some of the parties, and you're always like, I don't, something's
2: up with that guy. Right, like you're you get just stuck always for a like Santos. thirty minutes with him in a corner of the party, and you walk away, yeah. and you're like, what What is going on with them? And like, who yeah. pays for their life? And yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's uh, it's very strange. Uh, you know, there's and you know, and Andrew Cunanan, They don't always murder. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's always somebody who's like.
2: I don't get you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah,
2: or they murder too. Yeah. Right, or, murder. Or it seems murder. to be the
1: one thing that he hasn't done yet that we know of yet. yet. Yeah, maybe he'll of, claim it soon. That, that we know of. And it's I know, I mean, people. everyone's saying it's like the Ryan Murphy show's writing itself about him. Oh, I just absolutely. ask that if we do it, when we do it, like, please cast someone, please cast a comedian. Like, yes. this is just yeah. too funny of a character to let it go to waste. Yeah. Um, to take itself too seriously. Oh, and, if it's and, and seriously, make sure taken seriously, then I won't watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Matt. Well, we, Paint a picture of us, of young Matt Doyle. What were your pop culture obsessions? Were you like were you performing from a young age? What was going on?
2: Yeah, um, pop culture obsessions. Okay, so my mom introduced me to like great music when I was a kid, and I say great music is everything I heard in her Volvo 240 station wagon, which was Tracy Chapman, Annie Lennox, mm. I would say Bonnie Raitt, I mean, I I still listen to this music uh, today constantly in my car. People will be like, "Oh my god, did you hear like the new Taylor Swift song?" And I'm like, "No, but have you listened to Tracy Chapman recently? (laughs) Like, have you gone back and actually listened to that album because it is amazing." Um, Mm -hmm. So those were my early pop influences, and just like I think, really powerful, brilliantly creative women, and uh, and then I I became interested in theater probably when I was oh. 12, 13 years old. And it was because mainly because I was bullied horribly at, at middle school. I think this is a common thread and I needed like a community that like understood me and I could go to. And so I started doing community theater and I kind of fell in love with it the second I stepped out on stage. But um, yeah. in terms of other musical influences, uh, my dad was really into soul music, which is really funny to think about. But Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke. Uh, Donny Hathaway, just like constantly playing in our house, and uh, yeah, and then I, I, in in terms of like pop music, I liked at the time. That was when Scissor Sisters were like exploding <clears throat> and I'll never forget watching them on VH1 is usually where they played their music videos, you know, it was like the slightly <clears throat> cooler place or, or at least like we had jazz and maybe gay artists on VH1 so you could see their videos. And um, that's where I like stumbled across them for the first time. And I remember thinking like, this is not okay, but this is okay. This is yeah. amazing. I can't believe I'm watching yeah. this and Jake Shears is a genius and Yeah. So I have like a Scissor Sisters poster in my bedroom. And that was kind of my like gay pop awakening is just realizing like he's literally singing about like going out with his mom and celebrating being gay with his mother. That's a pop song on the radio right now. And that's so exciting. And so that's why like when I see like Troye Sivan right now on my Apple music, as I'm driving pop up and his head is between like a man's crotch. I'm like, Holy crap! Like this is amazing. I can't believe how far we've come, and and uh, it's so thrilling that that's like yeah. just accepted and number one on the radio now.
1: I'm yeah. as you're talking. I mean, two things really strike me. One is just like your parents had very good taste.
2: They're awesome, clearly yes. good taste, <laughs> yeah.
1: and uh, and it rubbed off on you well as well. But also, your reference to Scissor Sisters as like a young kid is aging you in a. Way that is hurtful. I don't know what the word is. Uh, just I'm realizing how, how Offensive? young you are. Yeah. And it's,
2: oh no. I was
1: I was really enjoying oh, this no. conversation until hey, then. now.
2: I'm turning thirty-seven. I like I feel like, okay, oh, well, like okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I'm That's I'm fine. an adult. Respectable. At least you're not talking to like a twenty something here. No. But no. Uh, yeah, no, mm-hmm. they definitely were high school for me. So I guess that is a little yeah, that ages me a certain certain wow. way. But
0: what a thing to have in high school. I you know.
2: Are. No, I mean I really did grow up in this time of like the early cracks in terms of uh gay pop culture really thriving again and that was ellen coming out when i was in middle school and then you know i know it sounds funny to think about but like these were pioneers whether you're talking about like queer eye for the straight guy happening and and being a thing uh, and being accepted even though it was like accepted in its own weird little corner and will and grace happening and then um You know, I think the floodgates really just coming down uh, when I was like in my early 20s with Glee exploding and and everybody just saying, it's just, it's been fascinating to watch it evolve and watch it evolve from like, you know, two straight men playing gay guys in Brokeback Mountain and being like, oh, this is so revolutionary and so brave to now you look at what a dated concept that is. And I'm just so excited with that. how far we've come in just like 20 years. Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, take you back to too painful a time, but you mentioned, you know, uh, bullying in your youth. And what, like, how did that manifest?
2: Oh, it was terrible. I mean, really, like I, and I I think I've become such an advocate for mental health just because of how hard it hit me at such a young age. You know, I was 13 and I was suicidal. And um, my parents moved out from, Massachusetts and moved to the West Coast and took me to San Francisco, which you'd think would be the more liberal place out of the two. But I went to this tiny school, actually, in the same town as Hugh Lewis. Uh, So that's kind of a surreal connection. He was our next door neighbor. But I went to this little middle school and uh, there were only 12 boys in our grade and they had all known each other since they were like two, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I was new. I was clearly Different, you know, I wasn't a skateboarder um, who was into God. I don't even know what. I mean, they were just little nightmares, and I was uh, eccentric and creative and chubby, and uh, you know, all the things. And I started getting like, you know, beat up, but to the point of like being beaten up, like unconscious when I was just like going to the bathroom and oh and stuff like that. And it was hard for my parents to watch because they didn't also really understand the extent of it because I wasn't opening up to them completely and. It was really confusing because I was getting called things, you know, like like faggot and stuff like that, that I had to understand for the first time and understand why I was being called that and then fighting that and trying to uh, understand that while also coming to terms with like with an actual, you know, uh, professional medical professional that I had a severe anxiety disorder, too. So all of these things kind of uh, married each other and. I will say that this one woman, her name is Marilyn Isdevsky. She was the little community theater director who uh, also worked at our school and saw me and saw that I was struggling and was like, come, just come do my shows, come hang out with other kids. And, uh, and theater completely saved my life, like 100%. And my parents know that. And that's why they never fought me on anything after that, because they watched me struggle so much in terms of like, if I wanted to do this, they never stopped me, which was amazing. Oh yeah, God. Theater your parents lifeline. Th- th- sounds so cool. I mean, yeah, they've been incredible. Yeah,
0: I- I'm sorry to make you. And mean. by by that, we
1: do mean Tina Sinatra. Yes, and, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely, the, the three of them. Was. All three of them sound yes, very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you indulge us and tell the story about your dad and the Tiffany ad? Yeah,
2: yeah. So my dad, um, you know, my dad grew up in a really conservative household. Uh, you know, his mother was a very um, kind of insane and wonderful and crazy and, and strict Italian Catholic woman. And um, and as a result, I think uh, there were some things that kind of navigated his life towards not really understanding gay culture and not being really accepting towards it and very afraid of it, um, at least when I was a kid and, and in high school. And, and so coming out to him was really tough and I was terrified of it. And we just decided not to talk about it. It was more of like a don't ask, don't tell policy in my household. Which was strange because my parents, on every other level, were very liberal, and it was very frustrating that I was just so scared of approaching that. And my dad uh, didn't talk to me for a bit. We we weren't speaking to each other for a while after I finally sat him down one Christmas, of course, and mm. said, "You know, you need to accept this about me." And so we weren't communicating. And um, he did. Uh, he's in advertising. And I knew that he had a lot of luxury brands and one of them was Tiffany. And there was this great ad that came out and it was like the first national gay engagement ad. And um, it was of this like gorgeous couple in Brooklyn on a stoop, you know, and it was, uh, you know, advertising engagement rings for, for two men. And everyone was talking about it at the show I was working on and saying, have you seen that ad? That's amazing. I can't believe it. And I was like, what is this for? And they said, it's for Tiffany. And I was like, oh, is it just like in the gay pu- publications? Because they usually do have like these mm-hmm. gay ads that are made by like the third intern down, you know, and they're horribly edited. And I was like, oh, it just, it must be one of those. And they said, no, this is like everywhere. There's like billboards. This is this is a main publication. And so I called my dad up and I said, hey, did, did, you, did you do this? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, what? what why wouldn't you tell me that what what? and he was like I didn't want you to think I was trying to prove something and I just like cried on the phone and you know and from there on I mean it's been amazing my dad's like been the biggest champion and and supporter and has been so wonderful to my partner Max especially like makes him t-shirts all the time like live life to the max like he thinks Mm. that Max is like the most incredible person and I mean, it's just like completely shifted. And that was like in a weird way, his way of like saying to me, like, I'm okay with this and I'm going to, you know, do my best to help change the world for you. And I think that like, oh, it makes me uh, cry even thinking about that right now. But yeah, it was a huge oh, statement beautiful. of his. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we love your dad. Please let him know. Yep. I know. Mm-hmm. I love him too. And it's amazing. And That's why I always say, like, don't give up on your parents, man. Not once. You know, think about how hard it was for you in all the different ways. And, uh, and just remember that when your parents are having their own process as well. And yeah. they'll show up. They will. Now, I, uh, I, I want to talk about
0: uh, your relationship with Max. Yeah. But before we dive into that, yeah, talk us through what life is like backstage at company.
2: Oh my God.
0: Now we've had Claiborne elder on the show.
2: You have, I love Clay so much. Well, he's so sweet though. So I'm not sure if he'd actually tell every story. Um, Oh no, it was, it was hilarious chaos. Are you kidding me? Think about the people that were in that show. It was like every brilliant musical comedy genius that had been nominated for like three Tonys in their career, you know, The egos mixed with the talent, mixed with the like insane personalities, it was utter chaos. And especially in reflection, I'm, I think we all like were fighting so hard to like stay this like perfect family because we had been through so much. But now when I think back on it, I'm like, I can't believe just the amount of personality that was stuffed into one theater. So, You had Patty yelling. uh, You had uh, Chris Fitzgerald like playing practical jokes seconds before you would roll on stage. So people would be breaking and then mad at him because they made him break before they Mm. got on stage. So there'd be a fight after that. Like you can't do that. And which is so funny to think about now. Like all he did was like put your finger in a trap and make you scream. And like, I mean, it's just insane. Like, but we all took it so seriously because it was Sondheim. And then we were just idiots. We were such clowns. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of chaos and just Patty. It was always Patty. It was always the Patty show as it should be. And I will always make sure that it's the Patty show. <laughs> mm, this is the Patty show. So she's not even here. You know, oh I, mean, my God. God. Yeah. I just her, love her so much. I mean, out everywhere. of her mind. And what? I, yeah.
0: What makes Patty yell? I mean, I guess everything, everything.
2: Yeah. But like in the best way, I mean, she's never wrong. That's my favorite thing is like, you know, sometimes you might be like, oh, I I don't like how you handled that. But like she's never wrong. She's uh, she's Mm -hmm. always right. And she's always fighting for the company ultimately. And even on days where you're like, oh, gosh, uh, don't upset Patty or anything like that, you know. There were moments where I was like, I, I'll never forget having just like my final breakdown. We had been through I'm dying. We had been through Omicron. And then we were in the thick of Tony season. And it was like the last day that we had Tony voters there. And I was just like a nervous wreck and for all the wrong reasons. And I went up for like the first time on my, my words and getting married today. And it was like the last time I could do that for voters or whatever, you wow. know. And I, I went backstage and I just like started sobbing and Patty came up to me and she was just like, Matt, you come here right now. You come here now. And I like went over to her and she was like, what they do to us is terrible. I love you. Everything you do is wonderful. And you, she just like talked me back up and then I went like went back out with red eyes and you know, she's oh, wow. so she is amazing and she does fight for her company. And, you know, you could also tell a million stories of like the absurd things that she's done, but. At the end of the day, I, I, I know that she, she's an Italian mother. She cares and she just, you know, she does it loudly.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. I can, I, I have the easiest thing to imagine is Patty LuPone being like, you come here now. Yeah. About, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. about anything. About anything. Like, not, yeah. Not just like, oh, hey, come here and talk to you, but oh, you come here now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And God. The idea of, of Patty like demanding that you like, g- g- like dive into her arms when you're crying
2: as. Yeah. Is, yeah, uh, yeah. The most aspirational story I've ever heard. I mean, there's nothing no, I want exactly. more. So many things about that, that experience were like, if you could tell me when I was a kid, that this is where you would be. I mean, it was just utterly surreal, especially to like, be playing my nervous panic attack gay self literally on stage I mean I was playing myself in that role, so it was uh it was such a you know dream come true in so many different ways.
1: yeah, you mm-hmm. mentioned you know anxiety as a kid when you were being bullied, and yeah, yeah. it obviously served your character in in company, but I, I I have so much trouble imagining you like grappling with anxiety. In real life now, just given like what we've seen you do on stage and uh, the fact that you're playing Sinatra. Yeah. But is it
2: still, you know, something that you have to battle as an actor? Oh, absolutely. All the time. I mean, this is a, I, anyone that has, I think, you know, real chronic depression or um, a real uh, severe anxiety disorder. And I have panic attacks really often. And it's just something I've always dealt with and kind of don't know my life without it. So I've gotten better at just. Uh, living day-to-day with it. But I think that's why I... Jamie was hard. Jamie was hard to do myself every night and to uh, dive into kind of the inner workings of a panic attack. And ultimately, I think that's why I was able to do it well and understand it. And But um, for the most part, I love acting because I get to escape myself. So when I finished Jamie and I got to get away from that, I I think there was a, a big sense of relief because I didn't have to kind of open that wound every single night. And, uh, Sinatra is thrilling because I get to play someone really off center to who I am in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, and yet at the same time, I know this man so well, you know, there's Italian on both sides of my family, but especially my dad's side, uh, you know, there he's all of my, uncles um all of them and uh and it's fun to get to dive into the this this character that i grew up around and kind of studied uh, in the corner of the christmas parties and um and really understood and kind of like took in but uh have never played before and it's uh yeah it's 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 it's, it's more refreshing honestly it's a it's a way to sure. kind of step away from the panic and the anxiety and then then I go back home and sit alone in my apartment. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? You know? <laughs> sure. It's always waiting for it. How does yeah. a
0: panic attack present for you?
2: Uh, usually the heart starts to race and I feel all the blood rush out of my in my face. Like that's the first mm-hmm. sign. Is like it's a cold sweat and heart's pounding. And uh and it comes from the dumbest things sometimes. I've had them over like not knowing what I want for lunch, you know? Like so yeah. it's it's wild. But uh mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be in like a CVS sometimes and just like, ah, oh, damn it. And just like look at Max and he's like, what? I'm like, oh, I, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go outside. And he's like, oh my God, what happened?
0: Yeah. So what, what do you do? How do you breathe through how do you it, get through them?
2: breathe through it. Yeah. And just like remind myself that everything that I'm, uh, you know, it's just like, it's more meditate meditative than anything is like once the kind of wave of it passes is like everything that's happening to you right now is completely irrational. Everything that's happening to you right now is completely irrational. Like you have to remind yourself of that is like whatever took over and sent the wrong signals is, is incorrect. Just breathe. And, um, and usually also putting structure into my day. I like, I'm not really panicky when I'm working nonstop, which is probably why I love working nonstop and love doing eight shows a week and love being completely exhausted you know, my, uh, my friend who's in film and television, every time she comes out and sees me in a show, she's like, how the hell do you do that eight times a week? And I'm like, I think it's more survival for me. You know, I think if I stop or relax in any way, like I'm trying to do right now is usually when I, I spiral out the most, like, if I'm going nonstop and always exhausted, then I go right to bed and I have less panic issues and less anxiety. And yeah, it's better for me.
0: What's, Surprising to me is how somebody, how an anxious slash panicky person, manages to do a very high stress job. Yeah, on the daily that is at night. Yeah, a whole day to focus on it. So, I mean, so what is that like? Are you are you conscious of trying to avoid? Yeah, panic I, inducing situations. I, like how do you, how do you do? How do you live a show day?
2: Yeah. So typically, I think. I think that's why like people are like, "Well, why you? You don't seem like the kind of guy that would be really into fitness or stuff like that. But I go to the gym and I usually just run and I run because I need to like get myself going and get my mind off of things. So when I'm doing a show, I'll I kind of don't stop from the minute I I wake up to like to to the showtime. It's all kind of like show prep until then. So whether that's the gym or um, making sure that I fill my day out with uh just little activities is like as long as there's structure, I'm I'm okay, I'm good. Okay. Now we know. Well, we've yeah. mentioned Max a couple times. Can yeah, you tell yeah. us your meet cute story? Yeah. We met at a Starbucks. I feel like this is uh, best in show Gosh. when they're like we saw each other at the Starbucks across <laughs> the street. Um, we met at a Starbucks. I was standing in line with him. My favorite thing about Max and I is that it never was, and he'll say the same thing, I think, I hope so, but it was never like crazy butterflies. Um, I saw him in line and I was kind of recently out of a, a big relationship and, and not really looking for anything serious. And I didn't think anything of it. I knew that he was like in the industry. So I said hi to him because I was standing behind him and he thought I was like trying to like flirt it up with him. And so I left and he emailed me. He got my email from a friend and he emailed me his number and said, we should go out sometime. And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) no. uh, Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm actually like, and it was true. I was like, I had been on a date or two with another guy and we were going out that week and I I don't like dating multiple people. I've never been good at it, you know? So I was like, oh, I'm also, I'm seeing someone right now and I'm sorry. Thank you so much. But like, yeah, let's stay in touch or something nice, you know? And, uh, and then like two weeks later I got stood up by the same guy and, uh, I, I reached out to him like as I was sitting at the bar and I was like, Hey, I just got stood up. Do you still want to go out? And he was like, wow, that's an intro, man. And I was like, do you, he was like, you know what? Sure. Let's do it. I was like, you seem nice, like you're nice and wouldn't do that. So let's do that. And, uh, we went out and we've been together for eight years now and we're engaged.
0: Congratulations. (laughs) Thank
2: you. But yeah, I think I was, I really took my time with Max unlike everyone else I dated, which was usually like, if I didn't have that like crazy, you know, love sickness on the first date, I was like, it's not worth it. Um, But Max, I was like, you're really awesome and funny and you make me laugh and I really like you and you're intelligent and easy to talk to, like all the right reasons that you should fall in love and um, I would say like about a year in, I like woke up and was like, "Oh, I'm so madly in love with this person." And that, that's I think what's made it as lasting as it is for us. I love
1: it. You said earlier that like you, you, you are Jamie. You know, your 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 character yeah. from Company, and it would be rem- I would be remiss not to just make the obvious connection that your big number is is you know I'm not getting married today and it's this iconic like prenuptial meltdown so yeah. as a I don't know where you are in the in the wedding planning process but how much Jamie is surfacing
2: as you get on that road it surfaces in ways that like max is Paul, because he wants to celebrate things always. And wants to be like, look at us. And this is great. And yay. And I'm always really against that. I don't like a lot of social media posts about us and stuff like that. Because I just, that's never been us. And I feel like that's where danger lies for a lot of couples, you know, to just be like, our whole lives are on social media. Um, And so like, when we got engaged, even I was like, yeah, but let's not like, we don't have to do like a big post. He was like, what the hell, Matt. And I was like, "Oh, right. Right. So there are moments where like he's totally being Paul and he's like a super romantic and is like, "Let's show the world." And I'm like, I, I, I it's, you know, like this is too much, too much. I don't, you know, I we, we we don't need to shove it in people's faces. So like, there, those are the moments that it, it it comes out, but I feel like we just balance each other out. I feel like otherwise like if it was all Max's way, we'd just be like an instigate couple that you couldn't stand so <laughs> so i'm helping ultimately but yeah i think my nerves in terms of it being like i'm really like my social obviously my social anxiety and stuff like that is not great either so max will talk about how many people are have to come because everyone in the world loves max and his entire town loves him and his entire town like wants to be there and i'm like oh my god i think i'll have like five people like it will just be my immediate family i don't like that's where i get overwhelmed i'm like maybe we shouldn't do this maybe we should just go down to town hall and just get the papers and be done with it and yay isn't this great
0: (laughs) well we're happy to fill out your side Yep. okay great Please. we will be there just keep that in mind i'm keep thrilled that mind. DMs okay. are we'll be right, awesome.
2: right there next to tina sinatra <laughs> yes. in the front row yeah who i think will be there actually she was like well i oh, have to be there i have to be there absolutely she, she might need been- to officiate unless unless patty's officiating oh my you know? god don't even yeah uh, this the gay fantasia um but yeah no uh, <gasps> tina's been amazing and like from day one i was like a little nervous about that i was like you know i'm playing frank sinatra i'm playing this guy that like how is his daughter going to react to that but the second she found out and she was like and i know you're engaged i have to meet him i have to meet max you know just like the sweetest most incredible woman and uh it never even was a subject or issue or nor should it be but you know i was very relieved
0: when does sinatra open on the west end
2: uh we should be there fall of next year i like we you know all the specifics and everything i not okay. not announced yet but uh that is okay. that is what i can say <laughs>
0: we're just you know yeah. just to you know as we approach our 2024 yeah, yeah, yeah. travel planning absolutely
1: absolutely it's a good good thing to to know. keep that in mind yeah, yeah. Matt, doyle, matt doyle uh you know we wish you all the best with the the show the wedding God, again we'll you. see you there
2: absolutely thank Can't you so wait. much
1: for being here we're, we're very thank big fans and
2: happy holidays Happy holidays to you guys, too. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And that is our show. Please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at homophiliapod. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, music by Ben Wise. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walensky, and our audio engineer is Justin Matson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder.